Hello, this is Pastor Jay, and I want to give you a word of wisdom today. We've been talking about abiding in Christ, and I want to tell you the powers that you have. You have the power to restrict, reduce, and replace. Restrict those things that are coming into your mind that are negative and reduce the impact that they have on you. No matter what you've been through, no matter how many bad experiences you have, you have the power to restrict and reduce. And then you have the power of the resurrection to which you can replace anything that's not as God is in your life because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So yeah, you have the power to restrict, reduce, and replace. All of that is given to you because you abide in Christ. Please like, subscribe, and please share. And I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. Grab your Bible, get settled, and let's walk through the Word of God together. Let us now reason together and listen to see what God is saying to us today. Father, we come right now, God, we just ask you to um, open our minds and our hearts to your Word. We thank you for keeping us um, safe this week, God. We thank you for uh, granting us peace and um, and understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So last week we stopped the, <clears throat> the class and asked the question about, do you believe in spiritual superiority? Because we ended, I believe, in chapter 8. Um, and, um, and we talked about rituals that people participate in to church, right? Yes. So now we're back in um, Jeremiah 8, I believe, and we're going to start at verse 4. If I'm wrong, please correct me. Okay. So a uh, question, do you think um, you can be addicted to idol worship? <coughs> What'd you say, Steve? Yes. Okay. Do you think that you can be addicted to idol worship? Yes. Do you think that the children of Israel, during this, and think about all the stuff we've read, do you think they're addicted to idol worshiping? Yes. And the other question is, do you believe that you are a pretender? And what I mean by this is because when we're going to go in this chapter, you'll understand what I'm saying is, is that you can go to church and be pious and do all the church things, but go home and be somebody else. Of course. So do yeah. you think that at any time in your life, I ain't going to say it's right now, do you think that you've been a pretender? Yes. Oh, yeah. I think I was at one point. Okay. Yeah. And do you think you have some pretending, pretending qualities right now? Yeah. Okay. According to Holman, um, people, um, Jeremiah 8 and 4 through 7 talks about people holding to the deceit may mean their disloyalty to God or may characterize the um, idolatry to which they were addicted to. 
So they're saying that they believe that some of the Israelites were addicted to idolatry. And so because of this addiction, they didn't realize that they were being disloyal to God. I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but this is what the commentary is saying. And it says that Israel was unwilling to repent was a form of hypocrisy and worship, seeking to pretend one kind of life when they were living the opposite life. And so we can see ourselves in the Israelites as Christians, or whatever you want to call yourself, that this is how you act in church, but in, if they catch you off guard on the street, they might get another person. Mm. All right, so um, read your... I'm sorry, Go I ahead. learned that through our experiences with our parents, with our uh, people that's been in church for um, decades. They go home and they do, they, uh, I'm sorry, they do one thing in church and then they go home and do something totally different. So we as children, not saying that's an excuse, but saying that that could be possible for some people because we learned that tradition or experience from seeing the first generation or, you know, the beginning generation do it. Correct. Their actions don't, hmm. their actions don't reflect their faith. And we tend to think that that was okay behavior, and so we mirrored that. And of course it got worse, On we mirrored it. So you believe it's a learned behavior? It could be a it's learned not behavior, a, yeah. And I'm sure you don't think that it's okay, but it's just, it's a, a habit that you, you've seen it, so now you think that, yeah. Okay. Um, Steve, start with Jeremiah 8 and 4, please. Okay. <clears throat> Moreover, you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, Will they fall and not rise? Will one turn away and not return? Why has this people slidden back, Jerusalem, in a perpetual backsliding? So my version says, why has the people turned away in a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit and they refuse to return. Go ahead. They hold fast to deceit, they refuse to return. That was the next part. Mm -hmm. I listened and heard, but they did not speak a right. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own course, as the horse rushes in the battle. Even the stork in the heavens knows her appointed times, and the turtle dove, the swift, and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. So they're saying that the turtle dove reference to birds say the birds know their migration patterns the birds know that they're smart they know that when it's time to go and to another place to get away from the cold things of that sort now i would say nowadays i don't know if that's that's true i think that um they know but the 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 climate is so confusion yeah it was freezing the other day and i saw a flock of birds in a in a um V formation. I don't know where they was going, but what was y'all doing here? Y'all supposed to be gone. However, um, what he's saying is, is that the birds know the pattern. The birds know the rules. Why don't people know the rules, right? right. Why is it that we have to? Why do I have to continue to tell you the rules? Now we know that this is a conversation between 
um, Jeremiah and God, he is telling Jeremiah, hey, I understand that you're weeping and you're upset about this, but they know the rules. I, I gave them the rules. And when we were in um, <clears throat> the last session, we went to Deuteronomy and Leviticus. They have the rules, right? Yeah. So what's the what's the problem if you have the rules and you so pious? Why can't you follow them? That's what God is saying. Well, so, uh -huh, go ahead. Well, in uh, it's midway through verse six. It says everyone turned to his own course. And that's what they've done. They did that in Judges. They continue to do it. That and Joshua knew that they were going to do it. God knew that they was going to do it in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. So, but they have they continue to not understand the their role and their pattern, right? Keep on going. How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Look, the false pen of the scribe certainly works falsehood. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom do they have? Therefore, I will give their wives to others and their fields to those who will inherit them. Because from, a, from the least even to the greatest, everyone is given to covetousness. From the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. So here he's saying that their wives are going to be taken away from them, right? And all their um, remaining possessions are going to be confiscated. So not only is their possessions going to be taken away, but their wives, which are the deepest possessions, are going to be taken as well. So you don't have nothing, right? You you have nothing, right? I mean, unless somebody sees something that they have, right? This, because he said he's taking everything, right? Okay, go ahead. And then he said also, who also is going to, he says, let's go back to that verse. It says, therefore... Um, the prophet, even unto, unto the priest, everyone has done falsely. Ain't nobody done right. So everybody is messed up, right? Okay, go ahead. For they have healed the, the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. So we know that the false prophets are preaching <coughs> to the people that everything's going to be fine, right? Mm -hmm. God going to take care of you. But that's not what Jeremiah, well, Jeremiah wasn't telling them what, what they wanted to hear. Jeremiah was telling them what was going to happen. And so that's why Jeremiah's voice was so unpopular. And you see the contrast with all the other prophets, how the prophets will tell them, tell the king, oh, everything's going to be fine. But that one prophet in the wilderness is saying, no, that's not going to happen. So we're contrasting. Who else did we talk about? Um... Um, before that was stating something opposite of what the prophets were talking about. So we, we, we've been in the book of Joshua, we've been in the book of Judges, right? Ezekiel. We've been in the book of Ezekiel, we've been in um, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. We What other books have we been, um, been in? Daniel. Daniel, right? Mm -hmm. And we've been, in, uh, we've been in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, right? Esther. We've been in Ezra and Nehemiah. And so all the, all the prophets. And so when we were in the prophets, there were prophets in those books that talked and said, hey, look at me. Um, I need y'all to understand y'all doing wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And and they didn't want to listen to them, right? right? We talk about how Isaiah 
got killed for telling the truth, right? Mm -hmm. That's the the um and he got and he, nobody wanted to hear what he had to say, right? So these prophets are saying these things to their detriment. Mm -hmm. But for their benefit, because God told them to, but they didn't have a, a popular um, commentary, right? Mm -hmm. They'd have gotten canceled in the cancel culture, right? <laughs> yeah. They'd have got canceled because nobody, no, that's not what we want to talk about. It's not, what they want to hear. It's not prosperity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead, um, go to verse 12. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. In the time of their punishment, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. I will surely consume them, says the Lord. No grapes shall be on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree, and the leaf shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves, and let us enter the fortified cities, and let us be silent there. For the Lord our God has put us to silence, and given us water of gall to drink, because we have sinned against the Lord. We looked for peace, but no good came. So let's stop right Give me one minute. I, mean, I want to go backwards for a minute. So, um, let me see something. Read Jeremiah 6, 12, and 15. Stacy, please. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. Through 15 or 12? Through 15. Mm -hmm. For from the least to the greatest of them, Everyone is greedy for unjust gain, and from prophet <coughs> to priest, everyone builds falsely. They have healed the wounds of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not, they did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time when I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. He said that in, in chapter 6, right? right? He comes back in chapter 8 and says says it again in what verses? Um, 10, 10, through, 10 through 12, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that means this is important, right? Mm -hmm. He has said this twice. Yeah. So he's like, they have, him and God are having this conversation, but he reiterating that this is the reason why this is happening to them. And, so, and when you have to say something twice, that means it's, it's, a, it's something important that we need to stop and really look into this. Jeremiah is speaking, saying the same thing twice. This is not um, a, you know, like a, um, a scriber's error. It's important. Amen. It's important. They, he's telling them, he's, he's basically, he is basically, God is telling them, I don't want to do this, but they have committed so many abominations. What else, what, what choice do I have? And they've been bold about it. Yeah. They've been arrogant about it. Right. And incidentally, this uh, 8, 13 through 9, 23 passage is a portion of scripture that is read in the synagogue on the 9th of Aviv, the day of the destruction of the temple. So they read this 
the um they read this uh during this time in the synagogue. So this is this is not just some weakness in the Bible. This this is still talked about now. Okay? Now mind you, this is a dialogue between God and Jeremiah. Right? Mm -hmm. So Jeremiah is talking about we when we in 14. He says, Why do we sit still? Assemble yourself and let us enter into the defense cities, right? And let us be silent there. He this is a conversation for the Lord our God had put us to silence and given us water to drink because we have sinned, right? So they understand he's telling them, listen, we, you know, me and God don't have this conversation, but he has to interpret all this. He's writing all this down and he's got to tell these people this. So they got to be in these four to five cities. They don't have much time because the enemy is coming. This is an urgency that Jeremiah is giving them. Right, and they're look. You're gonna look for peace. Ain't no peace gonna be there. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. There's no peace. There is no peace that's gonna happen. So go ahead and uh, pick up fifteen for me. We looked for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health, and there was trouble. The snorting of the ho of his horses was heard from Dan. The whole land trembled at the sound of the neighing of his strong ones. For they had come and devoured the land and all that is in it, the city and those who dwelt in it. So these are the horses they're talking about, are the horses um, from Babylon. And the cavalry was famous for the horses, right? Because Israel, mm -hmm. Israel was not supposed to have horses. They wasn't supposed to. Remember, we talked about that during Solomon's time. Mm -hmm. Solomon got in trouble for those horses, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, this is what Babylon is doing. Go ahead. For behold, I will send serpents among you, vipers which cannot be charmed, and they shall bite you, says the Lord. I would confirm myself in sorrow or comfort. I would comfort myself in sorrow. My heart is faint in me. Listen, the voice, the cry of the daughter of my people from a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images, with foreign idols? And remember, we talked about this last time. It's not that only they're doing idol, they're being, um, they're uh, committing um, adultery, but they're bringing these instruments inside his house. Yeah. So you just basically doing whatever you want, right? And I'm just supposed to sit here and not be angry? Go ahead. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Now understand that the first season last of harvest lasts from April to June. Then the second harvest is from September to October. Mm -hmm. Barley and wheat and swell for harvest in April, May, and June. Figs and grapes and pomegranates <coughs> were harvest in August and September. And olives were harvest in October. But here, people understand the cycles, but there's no time to harvest if you didn't harvest by the time it was too late. And it's, this is not just an analogy about how to farm. If, if you don't plant the seed of faith and do what you're supposed to do, how are you going to get the, the harvest of God saving you and not being angry? It's the same analogy. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. In order to plant good seeds, you got you to gotta put it in good earth. Mm -hmm. 
we've already had description that this these the earth that they're planting their seeds in is defiled. So they're not going to get any harvest. Mm -hmm. Because that there's no harvest to give because their their hearts are deceitful. Right. An abomination to all. So that basically all these sacrifices that they're doing in the in the um, in the temple and all the priests are doing are for naught because their heart are defiled. He just said, "Ain't nobody good." He said, "The prophets, the peace priests, everybody is messed up." Right? All right, go ahead. Twenty-one. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no ball or balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Okay, so everybody knows um, a famous song uh, by Karen Carkshield. She says there is a balm in Gilead. And Gilead is like a pharmaceutical community, medical community. People would go there to get uh, medicines and be healed, right? And this is a figure of speech because not even the pharmaceuticals in Gilead can save them. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's bomb? Is that it's like bomb. Bomb. Yeah. Bomb. Sal. Yeah. Okay. Sal. Let's go to Genesis 37 and 25. Thirty-seven and twenty-five. They there sat down east and looking upon the saw a caravan of Israelites coming from Gilead, with the camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on the way to carry it down from Egypt. So it's just showing that um, this place is a healing place. And for him saying, is there a bomb in Gilead? There is no salve that they can use to save them yeah. or to heal their soul. They, they are so messed up, right? Mm -hmm. That they can't even get a bomb in a place that has medicine. Right. Or, or it resembles that they can do nothing external to heal. Correct. Heal yeah. This is a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. This is not something physical that you can heal. This is your heart. Your deceitful heart, there's nothing that can be, part, only the only way that you can purge it is if you give your, your life to God, right? Repent. Repent. They have no repentance. They're doing whatever they want to do. And what happened to their sister, sister nation, they ain't even caring about. That's on them. They're mm -hmm. still doing all this mess after. they they These are their cousins. Getting what I'm saying? These are these people. This is your family that just got deported. Yeah. And you still don't. And so you don't care. Because that ain't got nothing to do with me. Right? But that God's like, no, it has. It, it's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. Right. And the bomb for Gilead was a, a healing agent. It healed. And you couldn't. You can't even. Ain't nothing to do. You can't heal. What You can't heal this heart. The sick heart. And of course we know the daughter here is the city of Zion. Mm -hmm. Which is in Jerusalem. So it's like, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? And you can see how Jeremiah could be in tears. Because basically, when you get a prognosis that says that you can't even heal it. 
This is like this is like getting a cancer diagnosis. And so you at stage four, ain't nothing I can do for you. This is a spiritual cancer. Mm-hmm. Ain't enough radiation, enough chemotherapy that's going to heal your soul because you decided, this is choice, mm-hmm. to worship and idolize other things other than God. Amen. And this is the chosen people, right? Mm-hmm. So they already had a head start outside the gate from us. And they decided, I am so, because I'm so pious and I'm so righteous, right? That this is what's going to happen. Let's go to 9 and 1. We got to keep, we're going to read that into 9 and 1 because 9, um, verse 9 goes with this chapter. 9 and 1. Before we go to chapter 9, um, I want to comment on chapter 8, verse 12. It says, they were... Were, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to bless. And that just reminds me of today, you know, all the sin that's going on. Um, people just redefining <coughs> everything that God had defined. They're just saying, no, we, we want to come up with something new. And it's, it's just an abomination, but they're not blushing. They're not ashamed. And that just reminds me, like it's like reading a newspaper when you read Let's go to verse 1 and then I'm going to elaborate. Go ahead. 9 and 1. Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. This is Jeremiah, and this is why they call him the weeping. He is crying uncontrollably. This is not, this is, this is hurting him. This is hurting him. And, um, Mazar calls this the most one of the most pathetic verses in the book because he you can feel how he is weeping and um, toiling for his people and we even talked about how at least he had to cry Ezekiel had to go through and they make a reference to um, Romans 9 1 through 5 let's go there I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bear me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unseeking anguish in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accused and cut off from the Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. And they are Israelites. And to them belong 
the adoption, the glory, and the covenants, and giving the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who God over blessed forever. Amen. And then I'm going to go to 10. You said it said accused. That's a curse or accused? I'm sorry. I wish I was a curse or accused. It says a cursed on mine. I said accused. Mm -hmm. I meant a curse. Sorry. Sorry. Ten and one says, Brothers, my heart desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. And so they're making an analogy on how um Paul wrote the same has the same heart as Jeremiah grieving for the people. Mm -hmm. And the passion behind what is stated. And so this Jeremiah and, and, and even you can even hear it in Paul, they're weeping because they're in agony because of, of the life that he they care for their people. And the struggle is is that you have to give out this this death notice, the disaster to the people because if you tell them with if you're grieving at heart, you can't do nothing and say, hey. You hurting this hard. Something must gonna happen. I'm gonna repent. But that's not what they did. He is literally crying for his people because he know them. He know them. It's just like to me, it's an analogy of what Christ Christ like God. For they know what he say. For they know not what they do. He had to die because he know we ain't good, right? That's a that's a lot of sorrow. That's a lot. And so they called Jeremiah the weeping. Um, a prophet based on that nine and one verse, okay? Um let, let's go to Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah uh two through three. Um not two, sorry. Ver chapter nine. Oh, verses two Yeah, but hold on one second. I want to pull something up. Um Journey um school has her doing um, scriptures to learn the ABCs. And one of the scripture um, has come to mind and I'm going to pull it up. It says, uh, this is the K, keep thy tongue from evil. And that's Psalms 34 and 13. And um, I thought, it thought about the scripture because when they teach them that, she says, keep thy, and she touches her tongue from evil. They're teaching her not to say lies and not to be, you know, evil. Mm -hmm. So let's go with that premise, Jeremiah um, uh, 2 and 3. Let's let's see what they're talking about. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers, that I might leave my people and go from them. For they are all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men, so he's like, I read, can I just leave? Because <laughs> ain't nobody good. Go ahead. And like their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. They are not by earth, valiant for the truth on earth, on the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, says the Lord. So let's dissect that. He says that their their tongue is like a bow. And and the falsehoods and lies are the arrows, right? Mm -hmm. Think about it. So their tongue is shooting arrows. 
arrows of lies. That's deep. That's very graphic. So, and they said, they compare it when um, Jesus was on the mountain, mountain reaping over Jerusalem. He gets concerned, just like um, Jeremiah is concerned here, about the adulterers and the assembly of treacherous men. So their tongues are speaking lies, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go to Psalms. Twelve. It says, "Save, save, O Lord! The godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utter lies to his neighbor, with flattering lips and double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, that the tongue that makes great boasts." Those who say with our tongue, we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace, on the ground purified seven times. You, O oh Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from the generation forever. On every side, the wicked proud, as vileness is exhausted among the children of man. Y'all see how, how this is, now this is a choir master, of, this is David wrote this song, right? And he, even then, they, you know, everyone utter lies to his neighbors. So we talked about that in Jeremiah. Jeremiah said false prophets going around lying. Everybody lying to make everybody feel good. Everybody's politically correct. Everybody's trying to adapt to the culture. Right. And when you say you you can't and 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 nowadays, let's apply it now, you can't say nothing. If I see you and I think that you are a man and you identify as a woman, and if I call you a he. I get in trouble for calling you a he. How am I supposed to know you a he? Or her? Because I, I mean, I'm being—I'm not being funny. No, I'm being real about it. So long, they actually feel that they're that way, and they look correct. But way. you can get canceled for misidentifying somebody. What's going to come down to to those who are really Christians? It's really going to prove: Are you going to lay your life, your livelihood, and line for standing for Christ? Let's be honest: Most Christians that we know of. No, they wouldn't because they, they, they compromise on so many different things, whereas, well, that's not as bad. Like, I had a whole conversation with one of our church members about sin. They was like, well, I don't think that's so bad. You're not the judge. Right. <laughs> that ain't, who cares what you think? Well, that's not my experience. Who cares? He said, this is an abomination. You don't get to rewrite it because culture didn't say it's okay. You know, are you gonna stand, or are you gonna fall for culture? Are you gonna let culture dictate what God say? Because you're not, you don't, you don't want to face what Jeremiah faced. <coughs> you want to face what Isaiah faced. You want to face what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you're friends with the world, you're enemies of God. That don't, cha that don't change because it's uncomfortable for me. It's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable because in this world of political correctness and what you might believe in your head, a lot of times you can't voice. And if you voice that, you can lose your position, you can be sanctioned by the court, 
things of that sort. It's a very fine line of of how you deal with things. I mean, to the point where kids can identify as animals, as whatever they want to identify, and you have to respect that. I'm not saying I don't respect it, but it's hard because I was taught if this is a cup, this is a cup. I don't know. My mind has a block sometimes because I don't know how to deal with that. And so in this world, it's hard because whatever you say, you can be canceled for it. But the thing about as a Christian, you should be willing to be canceled. Correct. Mm-hmm. But yeah. and and that is a line, and that is a line that a lot of Christians have battles with because do you conform with society and get, and gain the whole world? Or do you go against society and lose everything? And that's a real battle. Not saying that are you supposed to gain you supposed to not you supposed to not lose your soul. But that's a true battle. And it's not something easy. And I don't have to answer to it, so don't ask me to answer. All I'm saying is is that what many Christians battle with what the difference between what's right and what's politically correct. Right. And the lines of political correctness keep moving. Yep. And that's the fun thing about culture. Me and Stacey were talking about that. Culture always changes. There's many different cultures within the culture. There's a military culture. There's a black culture. There's a white culture. There's a poor culture. There's a rich culture. There's a culture of fat people. There's a culture of skinny people. There's a culture of people who got fake hair. There's a culture of people who don't go to the barbershop. You know, it's all these different cultures. And if you try to keep up with each and every one of them, you will drive yourself crazy. Absolutely. You know. However, um, that is what society wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it keeps you busy, but and then and it just in distraction, and it, and then and then you you have a constant battle of what's right and what you do what Caesar tells you to do. Amen. All right, let's go back to Jeremiah um, uh, um, three and um, go up to four. I mean to five. Oh, uh, 9 and 5? Uh-huh. 3 and 4 5. Go, go back. Oh, to 3 and 4 and 5. Okay. Uh-huh. And like their, their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. They are not valiant for the truth on the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, says the Lord. Everyone take heed to his neighbor, and do not trust any brother. For every brother will utterly sub will utterly supplant, supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanderers. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongues to speak lies. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. Your dwelling place is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and try them. For how shall I deal with the daughter of my people? Their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. No one speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in his heart he lies in wait. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? So let's stop here. God saying all is deceit, all these lies. Mm-hmm. The question is, it says, does God have a choice not to punish? And if he doesn't, if he doesn't punish them, does that make him a liar? He has to punish them. Yeah, because 
justice is holy. Because he already put it out. If you do this, this is going to happen. And, they, and you remember, they agreed to it back in Mama Riot. Correct. Yeah. If you do this, I will do that. So if I don't do this, this makes me a liar. And God is not going to be a liar. Mm-hmm. So they, it's not a surprise that God did it because he said he was going to do it. Amen. When we went back to Deuteronomy, we was reading what would happen if you do this, yep. right? Mm-hmm. If you do this, this is what I'm going to do. What? No surprise. Right. Mama said, if you break this, I'm going to whip your tail, right? Mm-hmm. So when you broke it, you got your tail whooped. What was the surprise in that? Unfortunately, we act like, oh, well, why she whoop me? Why you didn't give me grace? Well, you still got it. Grace don't mean you don't get punished. Amen. Grace don't mean you don't get punished. The grace is you ain't die. There you go. But you won't get punished. Because especially if you have, if you say, if I say no, you do it anyway, and I don't do anything, then you are not going to understand the repercussions. You know what I'm saying? If I tell if I tell my daughter, if you keep on doing this, I'm going to pop you. And she does it again, and I don't pop her. I taught her that my word don't mean nothing. Well, say, Vince, you say something I think that's never been said before. People really think grace is non-punishment. And grace is not non-punishment. Grace is not death. Correct. And we don't, we don't equate that. We think, oh, well, you'll let me off. No, if I let you off, you'll never learn the lesson. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got to. It's the, the it's the lesson, and and the killing part is they had the rules. They had it. He had a verbal agreement. That's they when they was doing this. It's like blah blah blah. They telling yeah, you, and yeah. these and these and these and and you know the Hebrew language. This is what God said. They found the now. This is during Jeremiah. They had found the lost scrolls, so they can't act like now they don't know what's supposed to happen. They found them. This Josiah found them. This is before, I, and, and and I have forgot to say, you know, Jeremiah is not chronological, but they had, had already. He's he's during the time of Josiah. They had found these uh, the, the uh, book of Deuteronomy, so they knew what was going to happen. So it's not like it's a big mystery. God said, "This you do this, you're going to do that." Y'all had the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Okay, no other God before me. If, even if you didn't have Deuteronomy. You knew that God was a jealous God. And you knew that you weren't supposed to bring nothing inside. And you did it anyway. So why are you surprised you're going to get in trouble? Why would the prophets tell you that, oh, no, God is just not going to do anything to you because he's just so good? No, he's going to do something to you. But he ain't going to, you deserve death. But now you're going to get deported. Right. Right. Just want to say, just like in those days, so it is now. Like God is so long suffering mm-hmm. until we think that all the mess that we have done, that we are going to, there's going to be a day of reckoning. There's going to be a day of punishment. Like the the same rules that apply then apply to the today. Like do we do we think that God has changed His mind or changed His rules or changed His laws or changed? It still applies, but America, I'm just the world at large. I think we have forgotten, and just like Venus was saying, we got all the, everything is right here in this book. We study it, we rehearse it, we talk about it, 
But yet we run out there and continue to do the things our way. <clears throat> and God told us in his book, he said, you're going to be hated. You're going to be hated because of me. So we're not supposed to be liked by the world when they're doing stuff that's going to become that's against the word of God and we give them correction, we should be expected to be criticized. We should be expected to be revived. And you know what What was something that was said today? Uh, they said that what we, how we, how they get us is this. Well, if you correct me, you don't love me. You're being so judgmental. You're so being so critical. But we, you can't let them get that off because they want you to compromise for the sake of this, this word love, that's not a true love, because love always bears in the truth. It always bears. Love is not based upon me. If, if you think that I'm critical and judgmental, I'm just do, telling you what the word said. And be me telling you what the word said, me, I love you. But if I lie to you and say, you know what? Judge not STV judge. You know, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be critical. I want to. I want to compromise you into heaven. Mm -hmm. You actually. You actually hate them, because you don't even want to tell them the truth. And that's what the world. <clears throat> and the world. The world say that's good. Say say. See, I got another. Just think about this. What does the Bible say about Satan? He's going to accuse the brethren, right? That's right. What is he going to accuse the brethren of? Compromise. Mm. Compromise. And I think a lot of people use that word judgmental in the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. It could be a judgmental. No, I'm not. When people say it to me, well, oh, you just judge. I know. I'm looking at the fruit and how you're bearing it. And if that fruit is not lining up, it's an immature mindset for you to think that just because I love you, you oh, you're not supposed to say nothing. Yes, I do. And love, I'm supposed to straighten you out so that you go the right path. We're all supposed to look at the fruit. Is the fruit lining up? Is it? That's not judging. It's just getting them back on the right path. And I just think, mm -hmm. being as you are in that arena, like, I can't imagine you being in, you know, where the law is, and all these people are coming from sideways with all this ridiculousness, and you know the truth, and you have to try to just, you got to take a stand back. Like, or like you said, you could lose your license. You could be jailed. I don't know. I'm not going to be jailed. However, you have to, it's a fine line that you have to walk. Mm -hmm. I, but, I mean, but I'm enforcing the law. I'm not imposing my opinion. Right. You can't enforce your opinion. I follow the rules of, of Caesar. Mm -hmm. Now, if you ask my opinion, that's a different thing. However, that, that's not what people pay me for, for my opinion. They pay me for my professionalism. Whatever, but if I see some, if I something was presented to me that I cannot do, I don't, I don't, I, I that's a that's why practice is a choice. You can't make me take a case that I don't want to take, and so and I just say I can't take it. So let's go to 10. I will take up a weeping and wailing for the mountains and for the dwelling places of the wilderness and lamentation. 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 Because they are burned up so that no one can pass through, nor can men hear the voice of the cattle. Both the birds of the heavens and the beasts have fled. They're fled. They are gone. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, 
a den of jackals. I will make the cities of Judah desolate without inhabitant. So this like this sounds very descriptive. Um, Mesler says it's flowering language um, because it's visualizing Jerusalem as a den of jackals. Um, but it wasn't many years later when total captivity of Ju uh, Judah happened, right? Mm -hmm. To the extent that Jerusalem was a heap of rubble. And that's exactly what we learned about the rebuilding in what chapters did we um, read? Uh-huh. Ezra and Nehemiah, we talked about the rebuilding, right? Um, and Jeremiah uh, prophecies came very vividly to pass. His message is not only was it not received, but there was a secret plot to assassinate him. And the participants in the plot were from, oh Lord, his home town. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. um, uh-huh. And his family and his friends, which we'll discover later. But that's this is what Mesler's saying. And that sounds just like what Jesus had, right? Mm -hmm. It was his own, your own people. Your own people. Um, let's go to verse 12. Who is the wise man who may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken, that he may declare it? Why does the land perish and burn up like a wilderness, so that no one can pass through? And the Lord said, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and they have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it. But they have walked according to the di dictates of their own hearts, and after the balls which their fathers taught them. So they're talking about, this is the pluralism of Baal. And so that, that's the idols. So don't get confused with the man in numbers. But this is the practice of the the idol, you know, of the idol um, worship. You know, Alicia said something earlier because you said at the beginning was it taught to them? And that that says right there they practice what was taught to them. Uh huh. But that's we we are a creatures of habit. So I know I'm being simple, and Alicia was right. I'm simplifying things, but I put everything in the refrigerator. I put my bread in the refrigerator. I put my potatoes in the refrigerator. I put my ketchup in the refrigerator. I put my mustard in the refrigerator. I put everything in the refrigerator. Why? Because my mama put it in the refrigerator. Oh, okay. I do that too. I mean, well, where else would I learn? I'm not that. My mom put. I put my bread in the refrigerator. My bread don't go bad. All that stuff goes in the refrigerator. Now, society say no, they're supposed to be set out. But my mama put it in the refrigerator. So in in my mind. When I got married, Jeremy said, this is where it went. Well, no, that my mama's house, this is where it went. Everything went in the refrigerator. Because to me, so to me, that's what I'm going to do. Because that's how what my mom taught me. I'm a creature of habit. If you could get up and go to work, you got to go to church. It didn't matter if you didn't like what the church was saying. You still had to get up. However, my mom changed things. I didn't have to go to her church. As long as I went to a church, and when I was a teenager, I could go to any church I wanted to go to. So what I did, my mom and my sister went to one church, and I got on the bus and went to another church. But that's something that she taught me. I knew I had to go to church. Church was a ritual for me. Church wasn't nothing. I wasn't learning nothing from church. I just knew I had to go to church. <laughs> Until I became older. James, you know I'm telling the truth. Mm -hmm. I learned nothing from church. I knew a couple of scriptures. I knew now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things I see. <laughs> and I didn't understand what that meant. 
And you were singing in the choir. Yep. Shouting, doing whatever. Just to see me, because I ain't going to even go there. Pe people in the choir saying way more than people in the congregation. But at the end of the day, that's all I knew. I know every I know every song. I know how to I know all of that, but I didn't know God for real. I I knew we were supposed to take communion. I ain't understand the concept of communion. I've been taking communion since I was five. I I decided to give my life to Christ so I wouldn't have no bad dreams. Mama say if you give if you talk, if you if you give your life to Christ, your dream, your bad dreams go away. And that's what I did. And my bad dreams went away. That was religion for me. And until I started studying for myself and really living, then I knew Christ. But that's a ritual for me. Church was a ritual. Church was something that you had to do. And then when you get to college, you find out all these other different religions. And your mind get mixed up because you're like, well, all I was taught that Jesus was the only way. Not saying that Jesus is not the only way, but when you go and get other information, you become confused because you're not learning anything in church to make you grounded so now everybody can tell you I can learn about all these different methods of religion and and, and where they came from and and myth, uh, mythology and stuff like that and, and astrology and all that stuff and wondering if the significance of why I was named what I was named means something and your mind gets messed up because there was nothing rooted pastor was preaching the same sermons all my life from five to till I went to school to 16 and it didn't and, and, and I come to find out most of the stuff that I learned was wrong so even the stuff you learned was wrong and stuff in my mind is wrong why am I learning this scripture what is this scripture telling me why am I learning this what it didn't mean anything to me and then I had to learn, like, all oh, this time I've been thinking that this is what happened, and it didn't happen. It had no significance because it really, I did. I was just eating crumbs. Church was a good nap for me, and yeah, I'm not being funny. I was having my best sleep in church, but I had to go to church because it was a ritual. It was something I had to do because that's what I was taught to do. Nobody could explain to me why women couldn't be in the pulpit. Women just can't be in the pulpit. What does that mean? And then when I became older, I started questioning stuff. You're just not going to tell me stuff, and then I'm just going to take it. And that's when people get upset. Oh, you ain't went to school and learned. No, I ain't went to school and learned nothing. You didn't teach me nothing. And then they get upset when you start questioning them about, well, the word says this. And then I looked in this scripture, and what you say didn't mean, it didn't mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. But then they get mad because I'm supposed to take, I'm supposed to take something from you when you ain't even go, to, you ain't go to school for this. You just decided you wanted to wake up one morning, and God told you you gonna preach. Following the traditions of men. Yes. And so then when you start learning, you're like, huh, this ain't even what what it meant. So that is, and and that was what my question started off. That's a pretender. I was a pretender for a long time. And then God just, he opened my mind and God did it. It wasn't nobody in the church that did it. I had to be put in a position to be vulnerable and hurt for me to go seek God and say, listen, it's either you tell me what's going on or I'm going to die. Because going to church wasn't going to save me.
And that's unfortunate. Going to church did not save me. Going to school and studying the word saved me. And learning that there's different ways to, to get to God. And to get to God, the different way is really the truth in the, in the word. And not some, some person telling me their interpretation of what's not there. Because once you learn something, you can't un it's hard to unlearn bad behavior. You know, we set up under ministry that yell, and you're like, for a long time you thought that was preaching. But then when you got into a good church where they taught the Bible and you just like, that wasn't preaching. I don't know what that was. And you get, and you start studying the word, you go back. And you don't sit under that ministry. And people are looking at you like, well, what do you think, who you think you are? Well, the word says, well, this is how we've been, but that's not the word. I, I tuned out when they, I went to a funeral and he said, oh, um, go up a key when he was preaching. I told out everything you had to say after you told me told the musician to go up a key, so you could, so you can sing your sermon. And I'm all when I started learning, I started learning that things don't have to be. It don't take all day to have church. My attention span ain't that good no more. Or and my stomach ain't either. Just because you sin, oh, you have lost all salvation. Oh, just because I sin, I can't repent. I can't. And they're that Jesus can't represent. Correct. So it's a it's a minutiae. So we will come back and we will pick up um, just for my reference and for everybody else's reference. We will pick up in uh, chapter uh, nine, verse fifteen. I went too fast. Huh? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come right now, God. We thank you. We praise you, God, and we thank you for um, revealing who you are, God. God, uh, we pray that we will not be pretenders all our lives, God, that we be more like you, God, and that you will um, cleanse us and, and help us make good decisions. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN network. Come join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for Sunday worship. Bible study is held on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are located at 3006 North Lindbergh Boulevard Suite 711, St. Louis, Missouri, 63074. All are welcome and we look forward to seeing you soon.